Welcome to Sudbury Scrub, a 40k podcast for the Sudbury community, season 5. And joining me today in our next part of the Sudbury Spotlight series, we're actually, you know, we're coming close to the end here. I've interviewed almost everybody so far that is going to be attending the Grinning Demon uh, tournament, the Grinning Demon Quarterly. And today's uh, wonderful guest is somebody that is also really interested in trying to help uh, bring the Sudbury scene to life online and for people to try to get a real idea of going on. I'm pleased to introduce to you uh, Jesse Jordan. Jesse, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, buddy. Not a problem. Uh, you and I, we actually, we, we tried to do a video recording recently. We're still working on it. We're going to have some fun stuff, hopefully in the future. It's something I'm crossing my fingers on. I, I'm hoping to have more success with this than I have with uh, uh, getting Doug on for an interview with him. I tr- We've actually made progress on ours. So it's going to happen one day. No, for sure. Uh, I mean, I look at it more as like a, an exploratory venture. You know what I mean? That was the probe effort to see what was going to work and what wasn't. Uh, I think we figured out a lot right away of what was good and what wasn't too. Um, and of course, there's a lot that we talked about that's get dealt with like graphics and fun, cool interface, stuff like that. And that's a whole progress thing. But I mean, yeah. We'll get there. We are getting there. 100%. Indubitably. So actually, you know, I kind of feel a little bit bad. I really, I wanted to have you on here earlier. Uh, I, it's probably good to, to stretch this out, but uh, you're newer to the Sudbury scene. You're really in for trying to make, like I said, trying to make this interesting and uh, uh, something that people can get into and really get a feel of what's going on out there. But I want you to let us know about yourself right now. I want to hear from you, uh, you know, where you're from, who's in your game group, Tell us about Jesse Jordan. Uh, who's that guy? No, uh, <laughs> that's me. I'm Jesse Jordan, obviously. Um, I'm an author and game designer living in Sudbury, Ontario. I say that, obviously, because Cape Royal doesn't really count as a real place. Hey, um, no, Cape Royal. Hey, this this is, hey, you know, don't, don't sell yourself short. This is the Northern Community Podcast here. If somebody doesn't know Cape Royal, then they got to get learning it. That's fair. I, uh, yeah, I'll give you that. Um, so yeah, I'm from Cape Real, the place you should learn about. We have one grocery store and one gas station, and it's a pretty good time. And and, and you've got more than other subsections of Sudbury does. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> so, um, right now. We're all starting the game. Like I've said, uh, with, we've all started 9th edition. Like I said, uh, you are newer to the game. Um, I, I'm trying to remember exactly kind of where you came in and I'm having a hard time placing it right now. So, uh, with this next question, how about you kind of fill me in with that bit, but, uh, where, how much experience have you been able to garner so far with ninth edition? Okay. So I can answer this perfectly just for, just for the, the sake of it. Uh, I just need 10 seconds to do the research and in the meantime, I will vamp happily, but uh, I've only been playing for a couple of months now. Uh, I'm about to come up on my five months, no, six months maybe. Uh, again, as soon as I find the answer, I will know. Um, but uh, I came in at the tail end of 8th edition 
but before we really knew too, too much about ninth. So a lot of eighth edition practices were still going on. And um, like it was at the point where when I started learning the game, people hadn't even started uh, shifting towards the new rules yet. You know what I mean? Like even stuff like, uh, I mean, like blast. That was that was neat to see register across people. Where like at first it just wasn't a thing, and then suddenly it was on all these weapons. It was great. Um, trying to think of some other examples. Oh uh, uh, well, I mean, you know, morale entirely changed. Uh, squad coherency changed. The rules yep. for close combat changed, and of course, mission design. Uh, that would be probably the biggest thing. Would for us that have transitioned between 8th and 9th has been the mission, but you've come in from it right with at the start of 9th or maybe at the tail end of 8th where it's like, well, what should a mission be? For you, it's like, who the shit cares? I just want to get models on the table and get rolling dice because you're just starting. Whereas for a bunch of us, it's like, okay, how do I transition all of my instincts that told me how to win a game from previously to now this whole new set of objectives that that really play remarkably differently pretty much uh and again i think that actually saved me a little bit of uh garbage i say again because we've talked about this in person not again as if it's come up here come up holy cow i make words good you, you make the words make good the, the, words you know what that, that's all good to be uh, under the influence on it i am currently uh working on a second gin and tonic uh this one oh, just good. to let people know is gin and tonic in cointro which is uh, a very, very different kind of drink. Sounds pretty good. Yeah, I, it is. I'm uh, not typically a huge fan of gin, but if you can get a nice uh, gin cocktail going on, I'll, I'll have one as a treat, as a, as a rare <laughs> occasion. Oh, the, um, watch out! I, I make I make some some mean uh, drinks. Oh boy! Uh, I will have to take you up on that for sure. Now the answer is uh, May 26th. I bought my first Warhammer figure of this year oh and, man you're, you're, you're uh, such a fresh fi- fresh faced newbie it was my first figure and i put my heart and soul into it not realizing that you cannot do that uh with every single figure that you paint or you will never finish your army no. unless you paint knights in which case give her because you only need to do like five of them anyway no, well y- y- giving your heart and soul into this game is uh uh definitely uh an act an apt term because you really can like it is other people might say, oh, you give your heart and soul to this, but, you know, they go around, they do other things. With this game, if you give your heart and soul to it, it will take it, and it will consume it. And like she who thirsts, it will ask for more. Constantly. Constantly. <laughs> Thirsty bitch. So, um, I, I want to, I know you're in for the Grinning Demon. Uh, you participated at the Beer and Pretzels. Uh, I can't recall if you were able to make it to Salt Fest. But with this one coming up, I think... I had wanted to, but uh, essentially my initial understanding was that Saltfest was basically part two of BPO, which I guess was the original plan, right, before restrictions kicked in. So if I had known it was a second event, I totally would have got in on it. I just thought it was like overlapping of the first event. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of did... It it sort of was that. Like, it was kind of made to be that... Um, other people that had had gone to the first one could still go to the second one. Definitely, we want to just try to be like, hey, if you went to the first one, strongly consider not going to the second one just for safety of people, right? For sure. Not to mention, like, you don't, you don't want to be a douche to people that are on the wait list, too. You know what I mean? Like, everybody wants to get a game in, especially now when it's so difficult to do it. 
you can be considerate and not necessarily chunk up the slots constantly. Um, and it's not to say that anybody who didn't do that is a douche. That's not it at all. But like, you know what I mean? If you're not necessarily feeling it anyway, and you know that there are other people waiting, it's like it's like the pre-release for Magic events. Like those those slots are limited. If you're just gonna bail last minute anyway, just just don't sign up. Let somebody's on the wait list do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's something I am grappling with because right now, for the Grinning Demon, you know they're. Obviously, we have got just gone through a real scare in the past uh, two weeks with a whole ton new coped cases in Sudbury. Uh, there, you know, it, I, I consider myself to be in the Hail Mary ter- territory, where last week, a week ago today, actually, or it was maybe a week ago yesterday, I think I actually informed the tournament organizer, Justin, saying, Justin, I don't think I can make this unless there's a sudden drop in cases there's very new uh, there's almost no new cases being reported from here on in otherwise i'm dropping well since that point that's come to pass <laughs> yep exactly that happened as foretold yeah so I, I, i'm considering myself to be in hail mary territory uh, but i absolutely have to make that respect that hey guess what davis is it fair to you is it fair to somebody else that's really wanting to go for me to be taking up that spot when there's a distinct possibility within the next two weeks that something like that could happen. When somebody else might say, well, even if that happens, I'll still go. Uh, so I, I'm grappling with that myself right now. I, and I have to try to, I have to consider that uh, moving forward. It's like, is that worth it? Right now, I, I think it is. I, I think just that we, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's still kind of like, okay, I really want, I don't want to be the last minute drop, but I don't want to screw somebody else out of the game either. Right, it's it's a tough place to be. Like right now, it's tough to even it's tough to make any kind of long term decision. And by long term, right now in this current climate, a week that basically means longer than a week. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's nuts. So you try to make plans, try to make commitments outside of like your immediate threshold of what is likely to happen based on what is happening today. And that's not even a very good, uh, you know, baseline given all that has happened in the year twenty twenty. But uh, like at least at least within a week, you have a general sense of security. Like you know what, I can make a plan for mm-hmm. Wednesday. That sounds good. Next Wednesday, no sir. Next Wednesday does not exist. Not yet. Not yeah. yet. Exactly. Well, you know what, we're going to return to that because I, I I got something to say to that in regards to the painting contest. But for oh. right now, I want to continue on with uh, for the green game. Right now, you are signed up, and right now, I'm I'm assuming you're in the hail mayor territory as well. Um, what faction, if you're able to make it to the Grinning Demon as intended, what faction do you intend to play? Mother fucking Chaos Knights. For sure. For sure, for sure. Um, I I keep saying I'm going to switch to the Death Guard, but like the reality is, is I'm so far away from having them fully painted that uh, even if I wanted to, even if that were the direction that I wanted to go, I'm not willing to give up the 10 VP. Um... To, to switch over it's it's just that simple um i thought about pulling a reverse uh admec in the sense that uh, an admec patrol is a very common add to an imperial knights uh list so mm-hmm. i thought about maybe doing like you know some cultists and some death guards maybe a play caster or whatever but there's just so little and by so little i mean see none uh synergy between the death guard and them that it's it's not even necessarily worth giving up the CP to bring in a patrol of them when I can just better spend the points in my list and find a way to bring in another body. And that's exactly what I was able to do. So 
the only thing I can really imagine if I want if I was playing Chaos and it's like I I, I just want like you said that that small patrol adding on to my Chaos forces fire uh, firepower or something would literally be that would be something that provides a lot of firepower in the form of like you know an HQ a set of basic troops and two of the playcast crawlers and and that'd be it or I would bring a supreme command it's like well I'm knights led by Mortarian right like it. it it doesn't really feel like there's a lot of in between there. There really isn't, unfortunately. Like the the Plaguewars Crawlers is a really good uh, choice because they do give you that ignores line of sight, uh, fun jazz, you know, mortar bombing, right? Like that's that's so good. Um, and that's really the only thing that knights have as a, a big weakness for them. And like, I mean, obviously you can argue that there's a bunch that's you know not working for them, but something that's not working towards them isn't necessarily a weakness. Whereas in my opinion, a big weakness for them is having to play essentially peekaboo around buildings and stuff like that <laughs> with people sometimes. Um, it's, it's not always the best when you need to basically maximize every turn with every body in the sense that your goal is to shoot and charge with every big guy if at all possible yeah. and every time you don't get to do that you're just reducing your chances of getting your points worth back out of your nights you know what peekaboo makes a lot of sense when talking about nerglings so yep those <laughs> so, switchy little um, sandwiches on the topic of chaos knights then um and the topic of what faction you're playing what draw you to knights in the first place what kind of keeps you happy? What and what kind of keeps you playing knights and really because specifically these are chaos knights uh, why Chaos as opposed to Imperium? <laughs> uh, chaos Knights are just cooler. That's just all there is to it. Um, like, the Imperial Knights paint jobs are beautiful. They can be a thing of absolute art and majesty and whatever have you. But you don't bring a work of art to a battlefield. You bring a rusty hatchet that has caved in many a skull. Because you know that thing's going to work out for you. Um, and that's basically exactly what Chaos Knights are. Um, they have all of the, well, I shouldn't say all, but they have most of the strengths that uh, the Imperial Knights do, but they've got so many fun little tricks that they can do that the Imperial Knights cannot that makes them so much more interesting, in my opinion. Nice. Plus, spiky bits everywhere, or in my case, rust and decay and rot and mirglings. So was it that, that, was it that decay? Because, I mean, like, you like Death Guard. You like a lot of these things that are, like, in disrepair. Is that what originally drew you to Chaos Knights? Like, what? You start, you're a newbie. You're a newbie here, Jesse. What yeah. made you say Chaos Knights? These are the guys I'm going with. Well, so, I mean, I'm a newbie to this game, right? But, I mean, lifelong gamer, especially with strategy games, tabletop games, etc., etc., etc. And one of my favorite genres of games has always been build a giant robot, customize its loadout, go do missions or go do whatever. And the the best example I can think of, and a lot of people might remember this game fondly from the days of yore, but uh, Armored Core uh, and like all of its various iterations up to a certain point, the series kind of dropped off, but like Armored Core 2 specifically was a really great example. Uh, you and a buddy, or in my case, you and your brother could just take these devastating 30 foot tall robots with guns bristling out of them from every angle and then run down and go do these like military style missions and uh finding out that you could do exactly that in a game where the army that you're facing is almost always some pitiful little meatbags for you to literally step on is uh a pretty big uh lure for me i guess you could say yeah that 
I, I can get, I can see that. I kind of feel like that was when Knights first hit the scene. That almost was like the mode de tif of uh, of Knights was like, hey, you have your opponents has got a whole bunch of these little guys. Meanwhile, you can literally go across the field and step on them, and yep. that was devastating. It changed everything. It's, I mean, it's so good. It's so good. What's that's a nice gun line. Now it isn't. Yeah, now it isn't. <laughs> yeah, like it's, yeah, oh my god. It's such a good time. Nice. So are you going to be attending the Grinning Demon in order to try to win? Or, like, like is winning your, your primary goal there? Or is there some other goal that you're hoping right, to achieve? Right now, I would say, like, as much, like, I mean, I would like to win. Obviously, I'm going to do my best. But my focus isn't winning right, so much as it is uh, experimenting with different uh, households and backgrounds and traits right now. Uh, obviously, Chaos Knights are due for a new codex, just but everybody's due for a new codex outside of, like, what, four armies. Um, and even then, that's half of them aren't even actually out yet. Like, Death Guard comes out later December, I guess, right? Not this uh, month. Uh, is it this... I'm guessing December? Yeah, December. December yeah, so, I mean, yeah, so that's, that'll be, I think, Codex 5 for 9th edition. Even then, that might be exaggerating or miscounting because i don't even really know how to treat the space Co- codex four um, codex four but makes four okay there you go so no wait a second no no you're right hell knows how I, long i'm wrong be until chaos knights get a codex i'm wrong but, it, it will be it will be codex five because you're right space marines is codex one and then they're releasing okay. them kind of in pairs death watch and space wolves is now coming out i think you get if you can't get them at the nook already you're getting them like next week like or something day. And yeah. then, and then it'll be uh, Blood Angels and Death Guard. So yeah, and of course Necrons is out. And Necrons, so six, six one. Then. Six. There we have it. So that only leaves what four hundred and eighty more factions that need a codex before Chaos Knights get yeah. one. Like that's 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 not that's nothing. Uh, uh, so, uh, but the reality is, is like what we're seeing them do with Age of Sigmar and uh, and their new uh, knight esque army means that knights are very likely to get obsec very soon or as soon as this new codex drops anyway uh and the second that happens then they go from being you know this knight this army that does really really good at all aspects of the game except holding points to doing really good at all aspects of the game and being these now huge obstacles that you have to take off of points and that's really cool. So what I'm trying to do between now and when that happens is just really find out what I actually really, really enjoy doing insofar as, like, what knights do I like playing? What uh, what warlord traits do I like best in combination with what relics, uh, what custom households do I want to try, and, and so on and so on. So it's it's a lot of just getting stuff in before the 9th edition Codex drops. You know, it, it's fun that you mentioned um, that knights, you know, they're good at everything except that. And then you're looking at how they're going to try to evolve that concept. Uh, that's something I was kind of thinking about just recently, and thinking about how every army now in the game uh, has a real different style at tackling these missions, because it's not about killing your opponent anymore. That's not what Ninth Edition is about. It can Actually, be about that. Right at that note, because I will forget otherwise. Here's the thing: it's not about killing your other armies yet. Yet. But these new codexes all introduced faction-specific secondary missions. What is the one thing that knights are, are good at? Killing things. I am willing to put some blood on the fact that I'm expecting some kind of kill-thing-centric 
knight-specific secondary to make up for their inability to do a lot of the other stuff. Like, you just straight up can't do half the psychic ones. I don't want to uh, take that bet, because I'm sure you're right. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's coming, it's coming. But sorry, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, it, but that that's it, right? It's just that each army has its own way of really tackling the missions, and it's fun to hear how Chaos Knights really do have uh, a way that's different from Imperial Knights, but at the same time, like you said, they're good at abs almost everything in the game except holding points. And it, I'm curious to see where Games Workshop takes that. Is is that going to be the thing? Is it going to be like, like you said, with Age of Sigmar, where the Giants have an way to count of kind of count as more models that's absolutely something you could do calls and each giant with mightier makes rightier has opsec 10 yeah and i and i can absolutely see them do, giving something like that to knights and that being both really cool but also something that all, uh, allows for a lot of play around so definitely yeah i'm, I'm fun i'm looking forward to that so um with all this in mind, for everything we're, we're, we've chatted so far, we're, we're, we got to get moving on this interview because you and I are eating up a lot of chatting time, which is great. That'll happen. That will happen. It will. Uh, what would you say is the biggest thing working in your favor for this event? And conversely, what would you say is the biggest thing that's going to hold you back? Uh, the biggest thing that is working for me in this event is that if anybody wastes points in their list to counter me specifically... They are handicapping themselves for every other match that wasn't me. And there's not a very good chance that they're going to end up with me as an opponent, if you think about it. Yeah. Uh, it's, like, especially since the reality is... You gained that metagame. Especially expected to score well. I think the best I scored was... Actually, you know what? I take the back. It's that Tau game. I almost got perfect score. Um, but that was uh, a, a mix between maxing out the secondaries and doing really, really well in the primaries because the Knight Lancer freaking earned his paint job that game. Huh. That's a nice way of putting it. And so what's the yeah. biggest thing holding you back? Uh, the thing holding me back will for sure be uh, board control. Um, absolutely, absolutely board control. There are some interesting elements of, uh, I, won't, I won't even say counterplay, but uh, there are some interesting things that I've done to my list to kind of limit that. And you saw some of that insofar as like the warlord traits with uh, relic combinations that I was messing around with in our yeah. game at that time. Yeah. Um, but I've worked around with it a little bit more. And now, not only did I bring myself up to an extra body on the board, but uh, area denial has kind of uh, really been extra ramped up in my gameplay, so to speak, I guess. Um, well, I have to say, you did, in our in our game, that I, I, no one has seen yet. Um, I feel like you have done, you did an excellent job with the tools available to really project your force across as big an area as possible, which is a real challenge, not just in a regular game of 40k, but specifically in that one mission where your your deployment zone was about as small as possible for you. Oh my god, yeah. Um, and you're absolutely right in that, uh, I mean, again, we're referencing things that nobody actually heard before this, so it makes no sense without the context, but after that game, you said that I took the wrong side of the map to deploy on. And at first, I was like, what do you mean? It's more defensible. And then as soon as we actually started playing, I was like, it's more defensible because it's a bottleneck and I'm on the other side of it. Yes. I understand. Um, so that that game right there was a very good lesson to learn uh, about, you know, managing myself around terrain when I'm playing these giant 
five giant models that are bigger than half the terrain. <laughs> and they are. And that has a huge impact on things, especially now. Oh, for sure. Um, being able to see like the terrain layout before the tournament uh, was really nice because I got to basically try to figure out some different positioning options. And uh, it's... Yeah, it's a lesson well learned, and I, I hope not to catch myself in that trap again. I'm looking forward because I'm looking forward to see how you do. Absolutely. Um, so, have there been any secondary objectives? And you were mentioning you know, how every faction has gone some of their own secondaries. You haven't yet for the knights. Are there any secondary objectives that you really have found yourself attracted to? Uh, attrition slash grind them down. Uh, is essentially a must uh, because it is basically a guarantee. There is pretty much no way that my opponent is ever going to kill more models in a turn than I do. Um, I can't even imagine how the stars would have to align in their favor and how they would have to not align in mine for that to work out. Another night um, list. Say that again, sorry? Another night list. That would, that would pretty much have to be it. It would have to be another Titanic match or somebody who brings, like, uh, somebody who brings, a, what is it, a Mastodon, the great big guy? Yeah. Just a Mastodon loaded up with troops and the Mastodon manages to plow through one with the, the siege array um, and then the troops unload and take somebody else out. Something something to that effect, I guess. Like some huge swingy force with another rival Titanic machine. Uh, that's about what it takes to beat the knights at attrition or grind them down. And that, and that makes sense. You're, you have so few models. So long as you kill two units, you're probably getting kill more. Pretty much, yeah. As long as basically the reason I specify a giant big unit uh, is because the minute that I have to put the firepower of more than one knight into more than the same target, that's when I'm falling behind. And that should almost never happen. Though. Yeah, ab absolutely. Um... So now, taking that little aside from this, um, earlier on there, I was mentioning how with the uh, my worry about not being able to attend the event, one of the big things that I, I was really on the fence about was starting painting work on my dual diorama. Because I don't want to waste a lot of time and potentially models making something that might not ever matter. Um, For sure. But now I, I'm, I'm committing myself to putting it together. I'm doing it. And I know you've done some great jobs. You've actually even had your some of your paintwork uh, referenced uh, by some other YouTubers or some other, some other uh, professional folks online. Uh, are you making a dual diorama for this event? Uh, I am, yeah. Uh, getting featured on the Hobby Roundup was super cool. Um, I honestly thought it was just like a generic sort of Warhammer community hashtag, and then finding out it was actually like the like the one they use for Twitch, I was like, oh shit, that's pretty rad. Um, but so that that kind of like bolstered my like, okay, maybe I can paint because I at first I'm not gonna lie to you, I was not feeling the diorama. I was like, shit, so you have to sacrifice models to this display piece. I don't even have a super extensive collection. Like it's a duel, which means like by default needs to be two different factions represented. Straight up, uh, at the time I only had knights or death guard, and I sure as hell wasn't sacrificing an armager to a display. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I managed to pick up some 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 trades, uh, some spare pieces, so on. And I think I think I have a half decent idea, but I am making sure that it's fully formed before I commit to doing it, because it is potentially a lot of bits and a lot of effort. 
But I tell you what, winning that paint would be pretty sweet. Absolutely. Oh man, I am, I'm excited for it. For sure, for sure. Uh, without giving away, you know, too much of the surprise, what, uh, what, what, can you give me like a, a reference of some inspiration that you took for your dual scene? Uh, I will so, offer you in kind. So a, you know what it. I think this is a great way to um, really connect with somebody in your life that maybe doesn't really normally get involved with the game. For me, it was my wife. She's she's not a gamer. She's not into really Warhammer. She's not into any of that stuff. Um, but she does think that the she does think that the models look cool, and she likes some of the motifs and some of the ideas that kind of come out of some of the stories. Right? I can tell her about the horse heresy, and it's like that's actually really cool. Or I can tell her about a moment of the horse heresy, right? Maybe not. I can't say the whole thing because I will end up talking for half an hour. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, but I can say a moment, and, and that moment can can spark her interest. And because of that, I showed her some extra models I had on hand from like other things, and she was able to say, "Well, what if you do this? Wouldn't this be cool?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, that would be cool." That would be so cool. And so I had to, you know, with the models I had available, I had to kind of really make some modifications to that idea, but it it propelled me. Uh, it, it, it brought me from a spot of, I have no idea what to do, to I have a complete idea of what to do over the, nice. the, the span of 10 minutes of just that kind of- That is some shift, I must say. Yeah. And so now I, I, I'm, I'm putting it together and, and I know exactly what I'm doing. I have a fully formed idea um, and I, I have no problem saying it because, you know, it's the execution. It's not the idea I am doing. Uh, I call it the Temptation of St. Voldus, which it, it's going to be a demonette um, as seductive as I can possibly make her floating across a chasm on, like uh, towards uh, Voldus, the Grey Knight master voldus and it, it kind of, so this this really interesting little scene like that so i call it the temptation of saint voldus that sounds pretty interesting I'm not yeah so i would recommend that would be one of my my things i would recommend is if, if you're not sure where to go with something feel you know this that's a great moment to ask somebody that's significant to you that maybe isn't really into the game that, that maybe doesn't fully get why you love these things and to bring them in because they're going to offer a point of view that is entirely unique to your own. 100%. And actually, I apologize, but I need to step away from the mic for 60 seconds. I will return. All right. I, I'm going to go ahead and fill that time up then uh, just with uh, still just kind of talking about that idea. So yeah, if, if you find yourself uh, in that, because I mean, let's face it, some of these people that are significant to us about uh, that are significant to us outside of the game, we want them to get excited when we get excited. It's one of the whole reasons that we love the games that we play is that we get excited about it, and so do they. Because not though because of the game, they get excited to see us so happy over it, and they want to be a part of it, and they feel sometimes like they can't. And that was one of the things. If you look back into previous episodes, you'll see that Caroline and I even had a little uh, interview between each other. And there was some talk about, well, what do you think of my game? What do you think of the hobby? And since then, she still hasn't, you know, wanted to really play any games of it. She hasn't wanted to really get involved in those parts of it. But she still looks and she sees 
the models I put together and she says, wow, that is a really impressive job that you did on this. That is something really interesting that you put together. I have returned. Good. I'm just going to finish off my thought there. So yeah, you know, she's, uh, any significant other like that is just wonderful to talk with on those things in those snippets where it's something that is be like, hey, this is something I need help with. And you're in a unique place to be able to help me with that. And then they want to get involved. And you've given them an opening to get involved with the game, with your passion, in a way that they normally couldn't. And they will appreciate that as much, if not more, than you do. So if you have that opportunity, make sure to grab it. So there we go. Grab it. Grab it by the grabbers. Grabbies. Use your grabbers to grab it by the grabbies. Oh, jeez. Alright, so, um, moving on to the next question then. Uh, Jesse, are there any lists that you're really hoping to have a game against at the event? And, at the same time, are there any lists that you're really hoping to avoid? I would like to play against zero marine armies. Uh... You've had enough of them already? You just started into the hobby <laughs> no, and you're I'm already done with them? I mean, like, uh... It, it is, it, it's always going to be kind of frustrating to be playing a non-9th editionized army against a 9th editionized army, right up until I'm not, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so, but going up against Marines, because they have all their 9th edition goodies, uh, I mean, Marines are already, you know, the poster child's children's poster orphanage the Technicolor Poster Orphanage of Games Workshop as it is. So of course they're going to get all the goodies. Um, and it, it makes perfect sense that they got the, you know, their base goodies first. Uh, it's just kind of a shame that uh, their goodies were really, really good. And the rest of us didn't have it that great in 8th edition. Already kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. You know? So like it's, it's... It's exactly the generic, I'm not a Marine player complaint, which is Marines get a lot of good stuff all the time. And you know, that's just it. And, um, and it's it's easy to fall in that, because especially from starting right now where they seem to have kind of everything. Don't forget, for the longest time, and I'm saying, like, from the end of 7th edition, like, at the end of 7th edition, Marines got a real big jolt, in a big shot in the arm. But then they started this slide down from that where they were bad for a long time until their their new codex came out in 8th edition. So they were they were pretty they were in bad shape for like 2 years. For sure. Uh, well, I guess and before and, that uh, and before that really that big shot in the arm in 7th, they yeah, were bad. And Nids even well Nids were were further back, but they they were a real problem. Oh, uh, for, for, before the shot in the arm for Space Marines in 7th, the last time Space Marines were good was probably like 4th or 5th edition. Like there was a long period of time where they weren't good. Coming into it, though, you're seeing it where it's like, well, now they've been good for years. And it will absolutely, it, it gets annoying where it's like, well, they always seem to get more stuff. It yeah, will turn. It honestly, will turn. When you ask me what, like, and that, that plays into literally, like, if you had no restraints on money or time, what army would you build? Of course, the answer is Marines, anything, because they're going to get the most toys. But the reality is, if the Gene Stealer Cult had a bigger codex, and I could make a full Mad Max Gene Stealer Cult army and basically make them all, like, humanoid, like, war boys, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I would do that. I would do that in a heartbeat. Have an actual Mad Max army on the tabletop, 
have it look awesome. But the codex is like, I mean, you know exactly how many people long it is. Like, what, 20 entries? Is that an exaggeration? Is that too many? Uh, I think that actually is too many. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> and I believe, and this also might be an exaggeration on the low side, but Marines have gotten 20 new models this year. And, like, that's, that. it's crazy. It's yeah. madness. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Uh, definitely try to get in touch, if you can, with Jeff in our community. He actually did a Mad Max-style orc army. His name is Jeff? His name is Jeff, uh, spelled with a G-E-O-F-F. Oh, his name is Geoff. Yeah. Um, I, 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 look, you know what? I'll have to share after the afterwards with you some images from one of the previous beer and pretzels. I think it was the first beer and pretzels where he brought his uh, Mad Max style orc army, and it is uh, it was impressive. It was really impressive. It had it had I a good had an orc guitar player on top of the vehicle and everything. Yes, the golf rocker. Gotta yeah, have them. gotta have them. <laughs> um, the orc list I saw at the BPO was pretty awesome. And by that, I mean like the contraptions that were straight up built from scratch. Awesome. Perfectly orky. Looked so great. Oh, yeah. Um, so if there's one thing... Now, this is a newer question that I've started asking during these things. Oh. And it was brought up by one of the Sturgeon Fall crew. Davis, you can't ask new questions. Yeah. You know how much I've prepared for this. Uh, I do. I do. But that knowing how much, then you would have listened to at least one... That they did. So I know you're ready. So I know you're good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you sabotage yourself with that one. <laughs> uh, if there was one thing you wish you could see at this event that was there to help out new players, what would that be? Uh, okay, so the biggest hurdle for new players is cost of entry. And, and like, yes, it's gotten a lot better. Uh, and I, I, I say it that way because I hear it. Um, from any veteran player like oh my god like it used to be so much worse um, and like the new combat patrol boxes are great but I think door prizes and or um, basically the equivalent of a slapdash secondhand patrol um, like I know the store gets trade-ins a lot so like that like if it was possible if it was a thing where the player community at large everybody chipped in like 10 bucks towards Doug's used supply and we built little like here you go, take me away, uh, intro baby's first army patrols, uh, that would hook new people left, right, and center. That has been the magic approach for I don't know how long, which is to give, just give people walking into your LGS a free deck. It's not great, but it is free and it gives you your first taste. Um, you can't do that in Warhammer because of how expensive it is. And as a result, because of how expensive it is, because you can't play the game without an army, the new player trickle just isn't there like it is in Magic where the product is everywhere so it gets to people's hands and people go, oh, hey, that's neat. You know, I, I never considered that because you're absolutely right. In Magic, everyone's got a shit ton of commons. They've, they'll have, you know, eight copies of a common and it's kind of like, sure, here, like regularly at a draft night, if there was a new player there, I would say, hey, here's all of my commons from tonight's draft. I don't give it, I don't care. Go ahead and take them and just just have fun. A couple of these uncommons are half decent. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's exactly it. And that, that, uh, that attitude in the magic community helps foster new players, helps get everybody up there. Cause we've all been there in the magic community in the sense where it's like, yeah, either you're starting from scratch because you sold out or you're just, just getting into the game. You're, you're brand new, whatever. It's expensive to get into the game. You give a new player a handout and, uh, I I mean, not a handout, but I, I, I guess that's 
a a term you can use, but you give you give a new player like a little a little something something, and it, it keeps that incentive for them to push through and get into the game for real. Hey kid, because it is it is a big difference between just dipping your toe in and actually getting into it. Hey kid, want to buy some more hammer? I got got some Basically. good got some good deals here, eh? I got the Moirex system here. You want you want the Moirex? I got all kinds of Forge World nonsense. I got I got Forge World. I got I got plastic. I you know I even I even got some fine cast. Right, then fine cast still good, man. Once you paint it, no one can tell. Hey. Okay. I like how this person's like ethnicity is drifting very quickly with every impression. With everyone. <laughs> all right. Well, Jesse. You like Sereptic Stalker? I have heaviest one. Oh, we've drifted into the Russian territory. (laughs) Russians are the the most prolific uh, uh, recasters, of course. So that actually fits. (laughs) So says the internet, apparently. Yeah. Um, I've only just started delving into the world of what it is to see the recasters and whatnot. And it's it's interesting, uh, because, like, I sure as hell am not going to spend $500 on a night for firing, but 130 bucks. For something that's only ever going to be in a display case, because it's never ever going to see the field. I don't know. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm not I'm not going to get into this top this top. I have lots to say on this topic. I don't want to get into it because I'm going to honk people off if I do. So I, I'm going to You're avoid that for now. Off. No, but Davis, don't you know people listen to the show to get honked off? This is a honk off show. <laughs> that'll that'll be that'll be the honk off corner. And yeah, you and I. Whenever it comes on, I'm like, great, Davis is talking. I can start honking off now. And then I. I, I <laughs> okay, no, that sounds dirty. That off. sounds dirty. We're gonna we're gonna cut this here before the. the are we though? Are we though? I, I mean, I, I'm 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 fine with I'm fine with with rated PG thirteen. I don't know, rate rated starting to go to rated R, rated X. Uh, you know, maybe. Rated R for recast. Okay, Jesse. I really appreciate it. You and I, we're going to keep chatting about this after we hang up here with folks. Um, but thank you again for joining me. I really appreciate it because, you know, like I said, I, I love having everybody on. Everyone get a sense of who we all are as a community. New folks, old folks alike. So thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Awesome. It was a great time. So uh, again, to everybody else out there, thank you for listening. This is Sudbury Scrubs saying, keep on wargaming, keep scoring those primaries. <laughs>